Hey everybody, you're about to hear a collection of three or four short uh, podcast episodes. Um, these were from probably a couple of months ago, uh, late summer 2020, early fall. And the reason I'm putting these on like a compilation episode is that we're moving the podcast over from a paid private podcast and making it free for everybody. So uh, some of the episodes didn't come over. And what I'm doing is rather than just um, kind of trying to map them over and, and make new episodes out of them, I'm going to lump a handful of them together. And uh, you're about to listen to those. So if, if the message seems like it goes from uh, social media to podcasting to audio and um, you know, just being your authentic self. There's a few different topics that we cover here, um, but I want to let you know it's going to be a compilation of three or four episodes all jammed into one, but I think it'll provide a lot of value and will be worth a listen. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Welcome to the MCO Advisors Podcast. In this seven-minute clip, we list which social media platforms advisors should focus on this should help you think about where to allocate your time and how to communicate when you get there. What social media platforms should advisors be on and should we make content specific to each one? All is probably the, the best answer. Um, but where I would focus and coach advisors uh, to spend their time is LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, probably in that order. Um, and maybe I'd flip Facebook and LinkedIn. I think that LinkedIn is a terrific platform for uh, the business to business community connecting. Uh, but I think the majority of, depending on what you see as your target audience, the majority of your target audience is probably found in the Facebook marketplace. Um, so that's where I would spend the most of my time prospecting and, and sharing who I am, what I'm about, what my business is about, what value I bring to you, the consumer, uh, the customer. And then, you know, LinkedIn doing the same because you're going to be able to connect to people as well there, but that's more of a business to business platform. Um, and then I, I think doing some on Instagram and figuring out things like this video and, and being able to build a brand on Instagram would help you connect with the, you know, the 40 and under community. Awesome. Um, now, I like that. Let's talk about Facebook for a it second. Is, just because, how do you feel it's appropriate to reach out to people? So like one-on-one -on -one prospecting, you mean? Yeah. I'm a believer, and, and this is probably more on the marketing side than the sales side. I'm a believer of letting people come to you. And that comes from producing consistent, high-quality, valuable content across all the platforms. So the second part of your question originally was, should we make content specific to each platform? The answer to that is yes. Uh, but getting back to the most recent question you're asking is how do you one-on-one -on -one prospect? I'm probably not the best person at that. Honestly, I, I don't do a terrific job at the one-on-one -on -one prospecting. I do a much better job at putting out what I believe, what I feel value that I think would help you, Ryan, in building your business or value that I think would help whomever my target audience is in building their business, giving it to them for free consistently on all the platforms. And over time, they come to you because you're the one who provides the value and showing up in the feed and you're the one that they end up following and looking into and trusting and building a relationship with like you and I have here. So I'm, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I hate not to be able to answer your question there. I, I, that I'm not a good one-on-one -on -one prospector. I'm just not, I, I'm a much better giver. Uh, let me give you the information and then hope in turn uh, when you need somebody, I'm here for you. 
And honestly, I like that way too, because I think it brings the right people all the time. It starts the relationship off correct. I feel way different. Um, and I've seen it from both ends, from the marketing end versus the somebody found me on the internet and just wants me to look at something end. It's completely different and and the conversation and the value that I bring. So somebody coming to you with that, I hundred percent agree. Um, and, and this is this is a tough question. How much time do you think you should be spending marketing before you should be expecting people to come to you? I had this conversation, ironically enough, with a client slash business partner this morning. Um, it's a lot of time and there's no it's it's variable and it's in it's you can't really measure it. Right. It's it's going to happen. What's going to happen. It's going to click when it's going to click. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think it's what people want to hear, but it's, it's longer than 90 days. It's, it's 120, you know, 150, you know, 180 days. It's six months. It's a long time. It, it takes a while to build an audience that trusts you and looks to you for, for the content. And um, unfortunately that's probably not what most people want to hear. And that's why they start hunting. It's just you and I built this relationship, right? And yeah. how would it have been if I had pinged you just like the typical LinkedIn sales you know, Ryan, do you need marketing help? So-and-so, if you do, I'm your guy, da da da, da. You know, how yeah. would that have, that wouldn't have built the relationship we have. Yeah. Whereas the relationship we have now is very symbiotic, right? You yeah. need something, I need something, we talk to each other. And there's almost like a virtual friendship that we've created out of this versus if I had pinged you hunting for you to be my client, we wouldn't even be having these conversations. You're right. It, it, it almost becomes like answering a phone call. I think it's hard for people not to hunt what do you what do you think you're doing while you're waiting for this business to come around? I think that's probably different for all people. Um, I I mean, I've been through it. I'm still going through it. It's not like you know uh, my wife and I are you know kings and queens sitting on top of a hill here. Um, I mean, I'm camped out in a nursery, which I'm about to get kicked out of once a baby's born. Um, so you know, I'm still <laughs> thank you. Uh, I'm still you know you know scratching and clawing. Um, I think it's just patience and, uh, you know, like you've learned in, in your business and, and like everybody's learned, it's there's whether you have to do something part time to pay the bills or just be patient about it. That's up to you. I think um, to answer the first part of the question is, what do you do? I always tell people and this is me being my how I do sales. Talk to people the way you want to be talked to. Like, that's just the most easy thing to do. Like if. If I want you to approach me in a certain way, I'm going to approach you in that same way. And I think that's just fair. At the end of the day, it, it does come down to a certain amount of skill. I see a lot of people marketing for themselves. What time do you see when, I guess, people should hand it off? Is there, is there a time frame or, or a, an, an audience check or just a time when you realize it's just not working? Like, are you good at it or are you not is kind yeah. of what you're getting at? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know if you know if you're good at it or not. That's a really tough thing to answer. I mean, I would say I think you're a good marketer. Now, whether you think you personally are a good marketer or not would be interesting. I imagine you also think you're good at what you do. Um, we we all see folks who are out there in the social media world or email marketing or whatever they're doing that are but just really not good marketers and, and they do a terrible job at it. Mm -hmm. um, and do they know that? I don't know. So I would... My answer to your question is, if you're not a good marketer, get marketing help ASAP, because like you said, it's all we have. I don't think it's just in this time. I think 
marketing is creeping itself into everything that that we're doing in in business period and then you know i think salespeople are becoming more marketers than marketers are becoming more sales driven um i think marketing is is becoming the ultimate um path to success and if you're not good at it whether you know that or not i can't tell you that but if if you have an inkling that you're not a good marketer i'd find marketing help immediately because if you don't your competitors are are getting better at it or finding their own help and uh, they're going to separate themselves from you. In this five-minute clip, we discuss the importance of audio content and podcasting. This will help you think about decreasing friction when marketing and why audio content gets through to the end user more often. What is the importance of audio and should say content? And do you think everyone should have a podcast? Importance of audio is ridiculous right now. I think it's only going to get more popular and uh, people are going to crave it more. And I think what we're going to see, um, you know, I'm not the first person that said this, although I haven't heard anyone else say it, but I'm sure many have said it. There will be apps that we are going to look back on uh, a couple years from now and say, wow, why didn't we think of that? That take audio and implement it into our lives outside of just the podcast feeds. Um, there's going to be apps that allow us to digest audio with less um, friction, easy, and uh, you know, just delivered straight to us. And I think that's going to be the next platform, just like video um, took over, uh, you know, kind of the written word. Um, so audio, I'm super bullish on audio. Do I think everyone should have a podcast? Uh, no, because I think a lot of people don't have a lot to say. Um, I think the podcasting thing has gotten really gnarly over through this COVID thing. Um, Podcasting, I, you know, with my own show, I saw this trajectory that was just kind of going up and up and up and people couldn't get enough. The second people stopped commuting, it just it literally went the other direction. Um, so commuting, uh, while people will get back to commuting, um, I don't see podcasting getting resuming that growth curve unless unless you have it, meaning unless you have the content and, and can bring it because the, the space has only gotten more crowded as everyone's sitting at home thinking, well, I can purchase this Yeti mic and just start my own show. And now we've just added 100,000 new shows to the feed. And now it's it's a little noisier and there's there's uh, some more competition there. So podcasting's huge. I love it. And I'm with uh, AirPods in and I'm doing two things at once and I'm doing them at a very high level. I'm picking up everything that's coming into my ears and I'm also very physically active handling everything that I'm doing. I mean, just think about exercise you're hearing the music and you're doing the sit-ups. Like you're able to do both. It's very difficult to watch something and then do something else at the same time. And that's why I'm, I'm huge on it. Especially for somebody like me, who's terrible at multitasking. It's the only type of multitasking I can do. So, and maybe that's for everybody. I wonder, I, I wonder if there's anybody who has, I can't imagine anybody who has trouble listening to music and running at the same time. Yeah, right. Right. Silence, but you're not going to start tripping. Sure. So it, it is interesting that that's a way to, break through no matter what people are doing. Um, now, one of the interesting things, I, one of the interesting questions I have that I wanted to get your take on stemming off of that is there's things that I think are the most popular and places where people have to be, just like we talked about the platforms people have to be on LinkedIn, Facebook, things like that. But then you mention you don't think everybody needs a podcast. So what do you think about doing what you're good at versus doing what needs to be done, such as audio and video and text? Great follow-up question. Um, so let me clarify. I don't think everybody needs a podcast because one, I don't think everybody's probably very good at doing a podcast. 
I think every business worth their their worth their existence should try having a show and seeing where it gets them. Um, you know, whether or not my what how podcast runs the gamut forever, um, and I have the capability to stick with it and continue to plow through it, that that will not happen. I'm sure there's going to be a point in time where I stop you know, recording shows and move on to something else and focus my energy elsewhere. But I've tried it. I've done it. I've seen where it works, who the audience is. Um, I think everybody should try it for their business because I think there's something there. And I don't care if you're the electrician, uh, you know, the arborist, uh, the financial advisor, the marketer, whoever. I think every business has something to say and an audience that'll listen to it. Um, now, whether you're good at it, whether you have the right content, can bring on the right guests, um, I don't know the answer to that. And then the market will decide that. And that's the beauty of of all of this. Now, if you say I'm a terrible podcaster, I, I have a terrible voice and I just ramble and I stumble over my words and I'm not very good at it. Find someone in your business who is and make them the host. Um, Kinsey Grant, right? So I don't know if anyone's heard of Kinsey Grant. She works for um, The Morning Brew. They have a show that's every Tuesday. Um, she does not own the company. She's not even a senior level executive in the company. But she does a terrific job with the podcast. They handed it to her, uh, I think, like a year ago, last September, and said, we need to try this, run with it. And she's had Ray Dalio. She's had, you know, all the big names, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, all the names that, that you know, she's had them. Um, and she does a terrific job with it. And, and that's a great example of saying, the morning brew said, we need a podcast for our newsletter business. And let's just find someone in the company who can do it and run with it. And I think that might help answer your question. So should everybody? No. Um, should every business that's worth being in business and, and wants to get out there and, and get their word out and, and grow an audience? Yes. In this six minute clip, we discuss the importance of authenticity and ignoring imperfection. This should help you think about sharing the human side of your business and marketing without a huge budget. I think we all need to run our businesses similar to how you just laid that out. Like you used the word when you joined my podcast a couple months ago, you used the word authentic over and over and over. We all need to run our businesses with our authentic selves. And if we don't, especially in 2020 and going forward, we're going to lose because it's not 1980 anymore and you can't hide. And you remember, you know, whether you met your uh, hero athlete when you were a kid or you were a professional and you went to a, uh, a, um, one of the conferences, right? And there was someone who did a terrific job speaking and then you talk to them afterwards and they're a real ass yeah. and you're let down. You're like, dude, like I thought you were a different guy or, yeah. you know, woman, like I thought you were different and they just yeah. didn't give you the time of day. That's a letdown for us as, as the audience. And the last thing I would ever want my clients or audience to feel is let down that I'm a stage name here and I'm a jerk here. That would, that I would never sleep at night. So, uh, you know, just being authentic across the board is, is just going to be a win all the time for you. Um, and I think that's how, why I thought so many CEOs and business leaders missed the mark when this whole COVID thing happened, because it gave them permission to be authentic in video like this, right? In a office, in your house, like it didn't have to be post-produced and the craziest thing with the lighting and everything. Like we're watching on the Today Show every day, like, you know, Al Roker's in his backyard for God's sakes. Like, right. Right. Yeah. So Everybody's many people. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, I, I thought so many missed the mark and, and let that go and they, they still could capture it, but the, 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 you know, the train has kind of kind of left the station on that one. So with that too, um, I think there's a lot of consistent marketing where people are always putting out ideas and trying to 
you know, gain more attention, but there's this time when opportunities show up. How do you feel about marketing in terms of, cause I imagine there's times when, when you're like, Hey, we need to double down on this and speed it up a little bit. I usually maybe ask for one video for you, but I'd like three in this segment because we're doing this. Is that how you run as a marketer based on, you know, up and down how, how it goes? Or do you find it's, it's still more consistent and you just kind of touch on the, the cultural things that are happening or, no, or I mean, like COVID you're the world is <laughs> it's faster than it's ever been and it's not going to slow down ever it's i mean we're going full speed right now and then we've all just this whole COVID thing is only fast forwarded technology like people are getting used to this microphone video work from home remote connecting with people remotely like uh, our attention spans have dwindled I, believe it or not in, in three months our attention spans have shortened and and we can weed out there's been so much more content put out in the marketplace for the last three months that as consumers now we we view it in a microsecond and dismiss it if it doesn't you know land with us and uh, the answering that question is this world is moving and it's moving fast and what worked yesterday literally may not work tomorrow and I think about that all the time um, I've got my notes app open on my phone you know several times a day making notes to myself about things that I see things that I see people engaging with and the way they're engaging with it and the, the way that they're not engaging with something that they engaged with yesterday um, just to make notes because we are changing and we are interested in things at lightning speed uh, and and forgetting things at lightning speed as well. So to stay the course and, you know, we are going to stick with the email campaign and it's got to be stock imagery and da, 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 and the click through funnel. No, forget it. I think it's all about value, attention, uh, authenticity. It's all those things about being human. And that's who wins right now. Do you think people have taken advantage of this by speeding up and pushing out more content? Because uh, you said there's more. What, what reason do you think that is? Why is there more content? Uh, the permission to not be perfect has allowed everyone to kind of jump into the game. So you can talk about your Fortune 500 companies just making content just like this because they don't have to set up the whole production team so they could do this and and record this and put it on youtube and, and their corporate pages with you know however they want and that that is one part of it where you're going to see or where we've seen an increase in the content two you get folks like you and i and uh, people who run single person entrepreneur businesses up to 5 10 15 20 people uh 20 person shops um this has been a time for us to all dig in and, and chip away at the at the you know, the bigger entities and, and do what we can to take advantage of this time and not being perfect. Because for us smaller companies, we win when we don't have to be perfect because we have a lot to say, but we don't have the uh, budgets and the resources to make it perfect. So if, if we can be not perfect and the people we're chasing are also not perfect, there's, there's an opportunity for us there. So that's why there's been a, a glut of content. Um, answering the question of will it continue? I absolutely think a lot of the Fortune 500 level companies will go back, will attempt to go back to business as usual. And I think that'll be a major miss for them. And, uh, you know, they'll probably survive it because they're Fortune 500 companies, but it'll be a miss and they'll lose some market share to some of the scrappier businesses, some of the up and comers, some of the, um, you know, the folks that are in the trenches right now that, that won't stop. There's companies that have 30, 40 people that have just, 
gobbled up market share because they're doing a terrific job marketing during this time. There's small companies like my, your, my business and, and your company that are, you know, doing things like this and, and gobbling up market share or gaining attention and traction that if we continue this going forward and the people we're chasing slow down, we'll eventually get on top of them. I believe that. So I, I think there's going to be a mix. There's going to be a steady increase. Uh, there'll be folks that plateau and there's going to be some of them that, that slow down. Hey guys, it's Corey. I want to take a second and jump on and give a kind of a short, brief synopsis of something that I think will help a lot of you. Um, this is something that I've been asked uh, in the past as I've been hired to come in and help companies uh, build and rebuild their marketing programs. Um, so I thought adding some value through the podcast here would help you guys. So this is my 90-day plan of what I would do, like in reality, in totality, this is exactly what I would do if I was hired to establish your marketing department tomorrow. So whether you're a financial advisor, you're, uh, you know, or you run a financial advisory business, uh, an RIA, um, whatever it is, if you hired me to come in tomorrow to turn your marketing around or start your marketing um, and just establish a marketing department for you, here's what I would do. The 90-day plan. The first thing I would do was look at your brand, the corporate brand. Does your brand portray that your business is serious, You know that you guys put in enough time to properly create the corporate brand? Um, are you proud of the logo? Do the colors work? Are the colors and the appearance and the logo properly threaded and streamed throughout all the various mediums? Um, so does your logo match and, and, and work when it's put on your PowerPoints? Does it work when it's put on you know, your digital assets, uh, social media and website, uh, business cards, letterhead? Um, when people come to the business, when people show up in your office, um, when people join you on Zoom calls you know, in, this, in, in this kind of new digital world we're in, is the logo and the brand appearing to your audience, your clients, and your future prospects or your future clients the way it should? And then does it tell them that, you know, this this wealth management firm or or we take ourselves very seriously um, and, and we put a lot of time into building what we think is, uh, you know, a A-plus wealth management firm. And, and what that does is convey to the client and the prospect that you take what you do seriously and you take their money seriously. Um, so the first thing I would do is make sure that the brand, the corporate brand, is in a, a good place. The next thing I would do is I would take the exact same line of thinking and apply that to the website. So what does your audience receive upon arrival to the website? Um, are they greeted with, you know, are their expectations met? Um, are they pleasantly surprised? Are their expectations in line with, you know, just what they expected right so kind of an average website are they let down a little bit are they saying to themselves uh, you know they're they're questioning a little bit of of your brand and, and your website um do they get to the website and and are let down so much to the point that they're you know the, the, their first impression is that they don't want to do business with you so after the corporate brand is established the website has to be established and so this is where so many advisors fall short. So the the corporate brand and the logo is much easier. Um, that's something that's kind of a low hanging fruit to to do, and I'm sure many of you established that when you started your business. The website is one that 
has to be, uh, you know, kept up. Um, it has to reflect where we're at in the world, um, meaning it's late into 2020. It, it, the website cannot look like it's 2006. Um, it has to be mobile friendly. Uh, it, it has to be um, frictionless to the point that folks get to the website and they get what they need. Um, so it's consistent. It's, uh, it, it tells them and delivers the message about who you are and what you're all about. Um, so many advisors that, that I've talked to and worked with uh, try to cram everything in and they try to put all of their offerings in um, and, and that drags kind of the whole experience down from the user end. Uh, the other problem that I see is there's advisors and, and uh, RAAs and wealth management businesses try to sell too much from their website. The website should not be looked at as a sales tool. It needs to be looked at as a due diligence tool. So think that through. The website is not intended to sell to your audience. Don't use it as such. Use your website as something that people can go to to learn more about you. And from there, they're going to want to be sold to. And and that process, you can handle that down the road. But do not use the website as a, you know, a, a sales tool. It is not a retail business. It's not a retail sales tool. Um, the other thing I want to talk about while we're just on the website topic is this is the greatest passive first impression that most leave on the table. And what that means is when you meet someone in a lobby or you meet someone uh, at an event, um, at, at a conference, at a dinner, uh, at lunch, you're giving them your first impression. You know, you're, you as an advisor, if you're meeting with a client or you're meeting with a prospect, they're taking everything in that first time they meet you and they're gauging whether or not you'd be someone they trust, someone that they'd like to work with, someone that they would trust their assets with, um, someone that would work well with you know, the entire family, right? They bring their spouse and, and they want to feel like um, as a financial advisor, you'd be someone that, that they can trust their money with. That's a one-on-one kind of personal first impression. Um, that can also be done over the phone or over a video call, right? You can kind of get first impressions. The website is a passive first impression and it means a whole heck of a lot. And, and what that is, is if someone's Googling for financial advice or someone comes across an advertisement that you have out there or someone's referred to your business, uh, they're, the first thing they're going to do before they engage with you is look at your website. And you can't control that first impression beyond anything that you've put into that website ahead of time. So if they are recommended to you, uh, if, if someone's looking for financial advice, someone's looking for a financial advisor, someone sees your ad and then they want to do their due diligence on you, the number one thing they're doing is they're going to your website and then they're going to make a decision from there. Is this someone or a firm that I want to continue with or further this conversation with? Is this someone that I would consider doing business with? So always keep in mind that your website is out there performing your first impressions for you. And I cannot stress enough that you need to have a, uh, a nice looking, clean, effective, uh, frictionless, and almost salesless website. So that would be the second thing I would do in my 90 day plan if I was brought on to fix your marketing department or establish a marketing department. And the last thing I would do uh, with after the brand was corporate brand was established, the website was up to par, and I, and I felt comfortable with it. Is I'd look at your corporate literature, and I would say, "Look, what do we have here? We have we, we need a, a a one page flyer that talks about who we are or what we are, or maybe it's a, a two page you know little pamphlet, um, or even it's a four page brochure if you have a lot to say. But it has to be 
it also just like the website it has to look like it's late into 2020 and be designed so that it shows that you've got a finger on the pulse of of where the world is Um, and then that it also matches the brand so business card one right everyone's got to have a decent business card whether or not we believe in them i think that they're just outdated and whatnot but they're they're kind of a table stake you need it Um, i would have the corporate kind of who we are piece um and then I would have a couple of leave behinds that uh, are almost like value add or insights pieces, but they're evergreen. So I, I don't know that I would have stuff, um, you know, if I came in to fix your marketing department, I wouldn't be having you write timely uh, insights right away. I would get some stuff that's more evergreen, um, you know, discuss, you know, some of the common myths about retirement, some of the common myths about asset management, some of the things that Main Street um, USA kind of, you know, our traditional audience, our clients don't think about have one, two, three of those, uh, and then a folder. So it's very basic, but enough that you go to meet with a client for the first time, you can give them a business card, a pamphlet or or a flyer or brochure that talks about who you are and what you do, who you represent, um, kind of the, the history of the firm. And then one, a couple of, you know, value add insight pieces. Um, and that, that would be my most basic, kind of corporate leave behind package that I would, um, you know, establish in my first 90 days. Now, after that, we, we can dive in and, and do a lot more. There's, you know, you, I think having a, um, an entire value add series, um, videos and all these different things, but for the first 90 days, it's getting the corporate brand, right. Getting the corporate website, right. And then getting the corporate literature, right. And then from there, we would build on that and, and tackle another 90 days and um, so on and so forth. And we would get into outreach and things. And, and I'll share some of that stuff um, in another kind of short audio podcast here. But first 90 days, guys, if you brought me in, it's get the corporate brand right, get the website right, and then get the corporate literature just uh, up to speed. Um, so I hope that helps. Cheers. Uh, have a good day and um, talk soon. Thank you for listening. We hope that you find value in this show. We hope that you find value in MCO Advisors. You finding success means everything to us. If you found value in this show, please leave us a rating. Thank you all. Talk soon.